0: Good morning, everyone. Glad that you are here. Um, glad the, for those of you that are watching with us online. We're glad that you had that opportunity, and we appreciate you uh, sharing in uh, this time of worship with us. So let me remind you, as I always do, may we never forget that our our mission is uh, uh, to love God, uh, to bring glory to God by loving Him with all of our being, uh, by loving Him uh, by making. By loving others as Jesus has loved us, by making disciples of all nations. Our vision is to have a clear pathway for people to become all that God wants them to be. For us to be growing people, becoming who God desires us to be. And He desires us to be conformed to the image of His Son, right? So we accomplish this through living in community, worshiping together, small groups together, discipleships together, and growing together. So if you're not a part of one of those, and I would you would come and see me or talk to somebody here at the church. We would love to get you involved more in something else if you have uh, can do that and feeling God calling you to something more, okay? So we have finished the book of Deuteronomy and we started Isaiah. And obviously by the video that I just shared about Moses, I am not going to be beginning Isaiah This week and some of you have asked me so I guess I ought to share what what exactly Chris why would we leave Deuteronomy and not go to Joshua why would we leave Deuteronomy and go all the way to Isaiah well the reason being is a couple of years ago our church started doing the reading plan together. Five chapters a week, a chapter a day, we discuss them in small groups, we discuss them in d-groups, we discuss them, and I preach a topic from that, and it just increases the impact of that text, and... Um, so, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, I can't remember, but I did a, I did a sermon series on both Joshua and Judges, and we also did First and Second Samuel. We had not spent much time in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, nor had we spent much time in the prophet, prophetic books. So, when we set our reading plan this year, we chose to do the Pentateuch, Isaiah, Noah, and Nahum, okay? Okay. Um, Uh, uh, You say, what are we going to do next year? Well, I'm praying through that because I really want to take us through the book of Romans next year. Uh, But I don't know how we'll do the reading plan because I think it will take me almost all year to do Romans, to be fact. Okay, I've been doing it this year on Wednesday night and uh, I've been doing it on Wednesday night. We started in January and I'm halfway through chapter 8 right now. So I don't know that we'll. Uh, I don't know how long it'll take us, but um, that's what I'm looking at. I just don't know what the reading plan will be like, but I will keep you informed. Okay, so that's why the skip from Deuteronomy to Isaiah. So I want to finish Deuteronomy because I'm going to be. I'm going to confess to you as your pastor and on you, and maybe you felt the same way I have, but I can tell you that through the years of preaching and pastoring and being a student of the Word of God, that. Um, Moses has not been one of my favorites. I didn't really give you a reason why. I think maybe because he was everybody else's favorite, so I thought I'd choose somebody else. Uh, I'm not for sure the reason, but I can tell you that after slowing down and doing this chapter-by-chapter reading as the way that we've done and spent this time from Exodus to Deuteronomy, that I have a greater respect for Moses than I have ever had that he is certainly one of those that's at the top of the chain for me, as being one of the heroes of faith. So today, I thought we would finish Deuteronomy this way. Well, let's finish Deuteronomy by looking at Moses. And I want to look at him this way, as both human and hero. As both human and hero. Because that he was both. And we see that in the last chapter. Will you read with me the last chapter of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 34. Chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, beginning in verse 1. That scripture, I'm not going to have it on the screen, but I'll have the other scriptures on the screen. He said, then Moses went up to the plains of Moab, to Mount Nebo. Notice that we've changed writers. Notice that Moses has written from Genesis all the way toward the end of Deuteronomy. Somewhere in these last two or three chapters, most scholars believe that Joshua picks up and finishes the book of Deuteronomy. So Moses went up on the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev, the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zor. And the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him. Notice that God buried Moses. He takes him up on the mountain. Moses dies. God buries him. God preaches his funeral. Amen. I I want one day, that's what I want to happen. I just want to disappear and let God preach my funeral. Amen. (laughs) So he preaches his funeral and buried him in the land, Uh, but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. I I think it's important that no one knows the place of his burial because two things. I think had they known the place of his burial, they may have never left it. They may have never went to the promised land. Secondly, had they left it, they may have always been returning. to it (laughs) may have been always counting it as a shrine looking to it but notice moses's health moses didn't struggle to get to the top of this mountain look at verse 7 moses was 120 years old when he died his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. literally this guy was strong when he climbed this mountain his vision was good he was not sick he was not old in a, in a way that he was feeble and ready to die. Moses was strong when he got to the top of this mountain. He was not. And, and God said, you're not going. The end of your journey is here. That reminds me of something a preacher friend of mine said one time. said, for every day you spend in the jail... Not in a jail. (laughs) For every day you spend in a nursing home, not in a nursing home. For every day that you spend in a gym, you will extend your life to spend it in a nursing home. (laughs) So I, I am just, I am just saying, I, I... I am just saying, let, let, me say it like, let me put this point like this. The fact of the matter is, guys, is that um, it doesn't, you and I are going to die. No matter how many days we spend in the jail, prison, or no matter how many days we spend working out, it doesn't matter. You and I are going to die. Moses was fit when he died. And his eyes were good. Now listen to what it said now. The people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. And then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of spirit and wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since. In Israel, like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. Would you notice two things about this chapter? One of them is that Moses was very human because he died. Secondly, Moses was very much a hero, man, because there was not another man ever like him that spoke to God face to face and got all the instructions and the commands the way that Moses did. Incredible, right? Amazing. Let's pray. Father, as we consider Moses today, Father, just speak to our hearts, calm our minds, and give us exactly words that you would have us to say. Lord, we trust you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Consider me, first, Moses was human. Remember, let me just remind you of some stories. Look at Exodus chapter 2, 11 through 15. We're going way back, and i got them on the screen. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and he looked on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? The next verse is, shame. He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid. And he thought, Surely the thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Will you consider with me at some point Moses being raised for a certain point by his family? I, I, th- I think we've got to note that Moses had to know. I think there was interaction with him and the people of Israel. There was interaction with him and his brothers. When, well, let me remind you that when he's speaking to God the burning bush, and I'll talk about that in a minute, that, that God said, you have your brother Aaron. So he knew his family. He knew his intimacy. He wasn't just gone as a baby. He knew them. And if that wasn't enough, listen, he was marked with circumcision. So he knew just every time he showered, he knew he was different than the Egyptians. He was different. He was marked and he was a part of them. So it was at this time that he began to say, I I want to do something about this. I don't like the way my family's being treated. I don't like the way the people's being treated who are like me. I know I'm a prince in Egypt, but listen, I want to do something about this. So in his own flesh and in his own being, he took matters into his own hands. And he killed the Egyptian, uh, probably a guard or a soldier. He killed him, buried him, hid him. But it was seen by the Israelites. It was made known. And then how does Moses flee? Afraid. I don't know about you, but have you ever taken matters into your own hands? And after you had taken matters into your own hands, have you ever been afraid because of what was coming because you did? I might suggest to us today that Moses was human just like we are. We do some of those same things. Let's take things in our own hands. Let's not stop there. Let's continue to look at Moses as human. Look in chapter 2, verses 11. Look at, in, in Exodus 4, verse 13. And, and you know this verse, and you know this story. But remember, Moses is on; it's in Midian. He's on the backside of the desert. He is now not the prince of Egypt, ready to headed to the throne of Egypt. But he is now what? He is keeping sheep. He has a wife, and he has some children. He's at a burning bush. The bush is on fire. He comes to the fire, he comes to the burning bush because it's not consumed, and God begins to speak to him. And listen, I've heard everybody in the world say something about the shoes being taken off because you're on holy ground, and I've never heard anybody say anything that made sense to me until this week, and Tony Evans settled it for me. Tony Evans said this, He said, when Moses was standing before God at that burning bush, and he said, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. What he was saying to him, that half-inch sole has you lifted up too high, and I need you to be brought low. I thought that was outstanding. Because what is the major issue with all of us? Loftiness before God. Pride before God. And God said, that shoe has you too high. I need you down. When you are standing before me and having a conversation with me, I need you humbled. So he brought him low. And they had a conversation. I've heard the cries of your people. I want you to send you to deliver them. Oh, Lord. But who will I say sent me? I am that I am. Well... What if they don't believe me? Well, throw your staff on the ground. It'll become a snake. Put your arm in your coat and it'll become leprous. Put it in again and it'll become clean. But pull some water out of the Nile and throw it on the ground and it'll become blood. I'll give you all the signs. Okay, but really I don't talk very well. Okay, remember Aaron? I'll send Aaron with you. He's very eloquent. And then finally Moses just says this. He has excuse after excuse after excuse. This is the way you all do me when I'm asking for volunteers. (laughs) Excuse, 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 right? And then finally you just say to me, Oh Chris, just send somebody else. (laughs) Just ask, I really just don't want to do it. And that's what Moses told the Lord. Oh Lord, please just send someone else. I don't want to do it. He's very human, isn't he? Like us. Have you ever said, I don't want to do this, send somebody else. Don't lie to me because y'all have told me, I don't want to do that, Chris. But I'm not God, so you don't have to do that, right? I knew you was thinking that, J.V., so I had to settle it. (laughs) I knew where your mind was. Terrible, terrible. But let's continue on. With Exodus. Let's continue on to Deuteronomy. Turn to the end of Deuteronomy if you want to. I'm going to have it on the screen. Chapters 32 verses 48 through 50. These verses at the end of Deuteronomy gives us a better explanation of what happened whenever Moses um, hit the rock. Okay? I want you just to hear this. This is not the right verses. I have done this two weeks in a row. Okay, no, it's right. It's right. That very day, the Lord spoke: "Go up this mountain of uh, of Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho. View the land of Canaan. You remember talking, which I am giving to the people of Israel a possession, and, and die on the mountain which you go up. Uh, which you go up." Would you please know that when, when, when Moses made that climb up that mountain, he knew he wasn't coming off. Please note that he knew he was dying on that mountain. And be gathered to your people as Aaron, your brother, died in Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. The next verse is Cheyenne. That's what I was afraid. Listen to what he says. Because you broke faith with me, in the midst of the people in the Israel, in the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin. You know, I don't ever know whether I pronounce those words right or not. I just do it with confidence, so y'all think I do. Okay? (laughs) Just just pretend, you know. Uh, And because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel, for you shall see the land before you, but you shall not go there. Would you notice, I want you to notice three things about why God has said to Moses, you're not going in there. First of all, he says, because you broke faith. Well, what, did it, what does it mean to break faith? What is faith? Faith is, you, we don't think about faith as obedience, but that's what faith is. Faith is when you believe and obey what God has said despite what it costs you. So so you're believing on baying, and you broke that. You broke that, why? Because I told you, I know the people were complaining. I know the people were grumbling. I know the people were mad. I get that. I know they were, and I know they were thirsty. And I know they needed water, and I know there's millions of them. I get that. But I told you to speak to the rock. And when you got there, you were so frustrated with the people that you began to berate them. Not only did you berate them, but then you hit the rock instead of speaking to it. See, you did two things. You didn't do what I said, but you also didn't count me as holy. You didn't count me. Listen, you stood in a place of God, took the judgment out on the people like you were God, and then you hit the rock in a way that you thought, I can do this just like God can. Literally, what you did is you stole the glory of God. Literally, would you think about this? Literally, what you did is you stood in the place of God, lifted up in pride. And it was pride that got Satan kicked out of heaven. And it was pride that kept Moses from going to the promised land. And it's pride that causes you and I to fall on a regular basis. Pride. Pride, we don't think of it this way because we celebrate pride in our culture. But pride, probably, I, I, the more I continue to think on this, I think pride is the greatest sin against God. It's where it started, and it's where it continues. And it's pride in our life. So, might I ask you and say... Moses was human, just like us. Just like us. We do the same, don't we? Now come back to Deuteronomy 3. I have it on the screen. And this is, this is after God's told him he can't go. I jumped to Deuteronomy 32 because I wanted you to see the specifics of why he didn't get to go to the land. But now I want you to see this. And I pleaded with the Lord. This is what he's saying. I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, Oh Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. We, and I did a whole, almost a part of a message about all that Moses had seen. And Moses is saying, I've only begun to see what you're going to do. It's going to be amazing, Lord. Look at this. For what God is there in heaven and on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? And listen to what Moses says. Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, the good hill country, the Lebanon. Please let me go. Almost. Listen. Jonathan, did your dad ever have you in Walmart in a toy section and you wanted something real bad and he said no? no not that I remember. You don't remember that? <laughs> yes, he did. Maybe it was mom. Mom had you there and she just wouldn't let you have it, right? Yeah, man, I'm telling you. And then you grow up as adults, and, and and you don't might not act like that kid, but you're still throwing temper tantrums too. You're still mad that you're not getting what you want. You're still mad that you don't have what you want. You're still mad that that life's not going the way you expected it to go. And it didn't go that way. And he's saying, "Lord, please let me." Please, 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 and we throw that fit, don't we? Instead of just saying, Lord, whatever your will is, just do it in my life. Just have your way. Verse 26, but the Lord was angry with me. Would you get that? Because of you, uh, I I love Moses right here. (laughs) Did you get what Moses said? The Lord was angry with me, but it wasn't my fault. It was your fault. And listen, if you don't think Moses wasn't human, because he's human just like us, because not only are we mad because we don't have what we thought we deserve, but then we're blaming the reason that we don't have what we think we deserve. We're blaming it on somebody else. If they had done something different, I wouldn't have been in this spot. Right? We're very human. But listen to the words that he said to him. And the Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. When God says, shut up. Don't ever ask again. Now, I think Moses at that point was probably like, just take me to the mountain, kill me because I'm done. <laughs> I'm just over, just done. So Moses was human, Right? He took matters in his own head, uh, in his own hands. He fled when he was afraid. He had many excuses and really didn't want to do what God called him to. He was lifted up in pride. He begged God to change his punishment. It sounds like us, doesn't it? We're all human. We've all been down those same roads. But let's look at Moses' hero. Let's look Moses. Let's look at him as the hero. He was a hero. In Hebrews 11. Will you turn with me? We can't miss these passages talking about Moses. Hebrews eleven 23. I'm going to look at them one at a time. Okay? Verse 23 first. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Would you you say, well, this is not Moses. It's not, but let's consider his family for just a moment. A, a family that when he was born, the, the law was put in place. The Pharaoh said, kill every Israelite boy that's born. I want them killed. I want these this people weaken. kill them all. When this baby was born, they hid him. Now notice that the English language says that it was because the child was beautiful. But I'll tell you that the Hebrew language in this doesn't lead to that he was beautiful, but it leads that they understood that he had a purpose. Now, whether God spoke to them, we don't know that it wasn't in the Scripture. But they knew something about this child. There was a purpose and a plan for his life. They might not have been able to see what it was, or maybe they knew it clearly. Maybe God had told them, and it wasn't recorded in Scripture. But they knew there was something different. And by faith, by faith, what did they do? They hid That child for three months. They hid him. Please, if I were you, and if I'm a person that marks in my Bible, this is how I'd mark this. I would underline faith, and I'd underline hidden, or hid, however your translation is. Because with faith always comes action. Matter of fact, faith is not faith until there's action with it. And he hid that child. You remember the story they hid. This is the greatest part of his story is his birth maybe. When you think about how he was hid, and I'll share this for just a few moments, but but then he was was there, they took him, and then at a point in time, they decided they couldn't hide him any longer. They fixed an ark for him. They put him in the water, and, and they put him where Pharaoh's daughter would have been with the hope and the chance that she would keep him alive. And she didn't only keep him alive, but she hired his mama to raise him, to feed him, to care for him. She paid him to do that and then gave him his life. By faith, absolutely, when we step out in faith and do what seems to be impossible, when they stepped out in faith and hid that child, risking their own lives knowing they could be killed for this, They had no idea how in the world God would open the door, how in the world God would make a way for this to be right, but yet God does it every time. That's the deal with faith, is you and I don't see how God can make something work until we step out in it and He does it. We're always in question. We want to know, God, I'll step in faith if you'll tell me how this is going to work. God says it ain't how it works. You step in faith and I'll show you how it's going to work. This is what I do. So, I would say this to you. I think every family, their greatest obligation is to pass the baton of faith to the next generation. Our greatest obligation is to pass the baton of faith to the next generation. And isn't that what Moses' family did to him? They obviously passed the baton. Let's look at the next verse, verse 24 through 26. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy fleeting pleasures of sin. Let's consider this. He grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He's in a palace. He's in a lineage to go to the throne. But he choose. So if we underline faith and we underline choose, we have faith and an action word, right? All right. Faith always brings about action. So by faith, Moses did what? He chose. He chose rather to be mistreated than to have joy. He chose rather to be with the people of God than the people of this world. He chose, and you say, well, man, that sounds like that's a novel ideal. That's a good ideal. But let's consider the verse further. He considered the reproach of Christ. Wow. Looking forward to Jesus, wasn't he? He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. He considered what the end result would be greater than the temporary result. He considered what the eternal reward would be considered based upon this temporary life that He was living. Would you consider it? He considered it to be greater. He was looking to an eternal reward, not just a temporary passing joy. That left him empty and shameless after it was done. He was looking to something greater. Now look at verse 25. 27 I mean. By faith he left Egypt. Watch this. Not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Would you Okay. You say, now hang on now a minute. Didn't we just talk about him leaving Egypt afraid? That was the first time. The first time, the first time he left Egypt, he was afraid. The second time he left Egypt, he was not afraid. The second time he left Egypt, he endured as seeing him who was invisible. He endured because not only had he had a conversation with God at the burning bush, but then he had multiple conversations, and he's seen God continue to do everything that God said he would do. Plague after plague after plague, miracle after miracle after miracle, he seen the invisible working. He's seen God at work. And because he's seen God at work, he endured. Listen, he left. Matter of fact, if you're going to mark faith, you would mark what? Left. And you'd also note that he was not afraid. The second time he left, he was not afraid. Why? Because he had been with his father. He had spent time with God. And he had trust in Him. He was not afraid. Now, Look at the last one, verse 28. By faith He kept, faith and kept, the action with our faith. He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch Him. You say, well, I don't know what was the big deal about this. They had not never done it before. They hadn't never put this to the test before. Moses is telling all the people, including his own kids, tonight the destroyer's passing over, and we got a lamb that we gotta kill, and we gotta put blood on a lintel and on the doorpost. And if we do this, the destroyer is gonna pass over and the oldest son's gonna get to live. But if we don't do that, the oldest son's gonna die. Can you imagine some of the kids, do you think that's for real? Can you imagine some of the dads, I don't know that this will work. Can you imagine some of the doubting? Can you imagine, why would we do this? How will this work? How can it be? Can you imagine the questions of the skeptics? There's nothing about this makes any sense. The only thing I can imagine is that every oldest son in the house was going to see if there was blood on the door. Because it might not matter to you, Dad. And it might not matter to you, Mom. Because whether it passes over or don't, it works or don't work, you're going to be alive in the morning. But if it is true what he said, I ain't going to be alive in the morning. So every oldest son's checking the door. Are we putting blood on Dad? Dad, you get it done yet? Kept by faith. Let me share this as I come to a close this morning. If you think about Moses, I think I've got a slide for this. and I just want to bring it to this place. Moses was human like us. But we can be faithful like Moses. Moses was human like us. But we can be faithful like Moses. Matter of fact, the next chapter in Hebrews calls us to this very faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Look at me. Look. Look with me at what this says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I, I, I need you. I think you've heard me describe this picture before, but I want to describe it again. The picture is a Colosseum to where they are competing in a race down before and a bunch of people are in the Colosseum and in the seats watching the race run. And, and in the, ra- the Colosseum watching the race run, do you know who's watching? Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Noah, Abel, Adam, Eve, Deborah, all All the Old Testament saints, all the New Testament saints. Now you can put Peter and James and John and Paul and all Deborah. You can put them all. Lydia, you can put them all in there. They're all in the stands as our examples watching, cheering us on, saying you can finish this, saying keep running the race, saying keep going. Listen to what he says. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We've got them. We've got them that said, man, God is faithful and does what He says. When He says something, step out and do it. Have some action with your faith. And this is how. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely Let us lay aside every weight and sin. The ideal really is that which reaches up and snares us and drags us down. Notice the difference between weight and and sin. See, weight can be some really good stuff that you got going on in your life, but it's taking up your time and you can't do what you need to do for God. There can be some weight that just needs to be cut off. Because God wants to call you to more with Him, and you've got all this weight of stuff here. But it's not only the weight, but it's the sin that easily ensnares us, that trips us, that brings us down. That sin that we keep on. He's saying, lay it aside. And let us, what? Run. Run. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us keep going. But watch this. We're not looking to Moses. We're not looking to Lydia. We're not looking to Ruth. We're not looking to Elijah. We're not. Look, who are we looking to? We're looking to Jesus, guys. That they're saying, man, go, go, Derek, go, go, Derek, go. And listen, but you're saying, but you're not looking at them. Listen, Jesus is the prize. Jesus is the finish line. You're looking to him to run to him. Why is he the prize? Why is he? Look at what it says. He's the founder. He's the inventor. And he's the perfecter of our faith. We're looking to Jesus. Why? Because he's, He is not only began our faith, He's going to finish our faith. He's growing it. He's making it what He wants to be. As we keep our eyes on Him. For the joy that was set before Him. He endured the cross, despised the same shame, and seated at the right hand of God. Faith. Always requires action. Such as hid, chose, left, kept. What about today's in Hebrews? What do we have? What's the actions? Lay aside. Keep running. And looking to Jesus. So I ask you. You know, I keep harping on this. Because I want us to get this truth. Many times in a Baptist church, you and I think that we repented and believed one time. And we're saved and that's all good. And you say, preacher, you called me to repent, I did when I was eight. You called me to believe, I did when I was eight. No, God has called us to continually be repenting and believing. And that's, that is what he is saying here. Faith always requires action. It, oh, it requires us to continue to run. It requires us to continue to look. It requires us to continue to lay aside weights that's holding us down. It requires us to continue to lay aside sin that easily besets us. It requires, Listen, the, this is what faith is doing in our life. And the best evidence that your faith is real is that you have these actions in your life. I am laying aside weights. I am repenting of sins. I am looking to Jesus. And I am running this race with endurance. That's the best evidence that your faith is real. For James would tell us, faith without works is dead. So I'll ask you this morning, this question, and the team, would you come? Worship team, come onto the stage. What action is God calling you to that would reveal your faith is alive? For some of you this morning, it needs to be salvation. For some of you, it is that this thing right here is that Jesus lived a sinless life... Why did He live a sinless life? Because He was born of a virgin and He was God in the flesh. So He lived a sinless life and then He died in our place being crushed by the Father's wrath. But because He was sinless and because He satisfied the Father's justice, God raised Him from the dead. He's seated at the Father where He intercedes for you and I today. So salvation comes when you and I believe that and place our trust in that, our faith in that. We repent of what we thought was going to get us to heaven. We repent of our sins. Now listen to me about repenting of your sins. Repenting of your sins doesn't mean you become sinless. Repenting of your sins means that you now hate it. Repenting of your sins means that sin doesn't taste good like it used to. It doesn't mean you don't go back and eat it again. It means when you do, you don't like it. It wasn't as fulfilling and satisfying as it used to be. So you come and you place your trust in Him. You repent of what you thought would make you good. You repent of your mindset towards sin. And God changes you into a child of God, gives you His Spirit, and then faith begins to grow. Have you placed your faith and begin to believe in Him? Repenting and turning to Him? That's salvation, guys. Listen, I, 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 I've just got to... I'm, I'm going to continue. I'm sorry I brought you up here so early, guys. But i am got to keep on this track. You were in Bible school and you prayed a prayer. I'm glad you prayed a prayer. But is there evidence of your life that you are looking to Jesus... Is there evidence of your life that you're laying aside sin? Does sin taste bad to you now when you return to it? Is there evidence of that in your life, of you continuing to repent and continuing to believe? If there's not evidence in your life, the prayer that you prayed in Bible school was not right. It's not salvation. I'm not trying to make you doubt. I'm trying to make it real for you. Is there evidence... That happens. There must be evidence in our lives. Guys, but maybe you are saved by God's grace and you're here. But God is calling you to say, Man, I need to lay aside some weights. I've got too much junk in my life. I don't have time for God if He called me. Maybe you, you, there is a persistent sin. You're saying, I keep going back to it. I don't like it, God. I keep going back to it. But God, will you, will you help me walk down the road of what I need to do to get rid of it? What is God calling you to as an act of faith today? One more thing and I'm going to let them sing. Guys, being faithful to come and hear the lecture on Sunday morning is not faith. Leaving here and putting into action what you have heard is faith and we got to decide what we're doing, what we're giving our life to. God's called us to more, and you know what Moses said it's better that's what we're afraid of is that it won't be better but it'll be so much better and it is so much better here and there it's better let's stay.